worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have the latest grain movement by rail figures and there are some disappointing results because of the bitterly cold weather. We have the latest market outlook from Sask Wheat showing exports running well ahead of last year at this time. Real Agriculture talks about transferring the family farm from one generation to the next. We have a feature interview on the results from the annual meeting of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. And we look at the issue around butter and consistency, with some concerned it won't soften when put out at room temperature. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. The latest statistics from the Ag Transport Coalition show a decline in service levels during Shipping Week 27, which ran from January 31st to February 6th. The Ag Transport Coalition monitors railway performance on behalf of a number of groups that include farmers and grain companies. It says CN met only 63% of corridors during shipping week 27, down from the low 80s the previous week. CP maintained its performance in the low 70% range. Milt Poyer with QGI Consulting compiles the statistics for the Ag Transport Coalition. He notes the very cold weather began towards the end of shipping week 27. This ongoing inability to deliver consistent service week in and week out has plagued the system all year, and that's not a good place to be in given what the railway network is facing right now. So while we've had this concern about the durability of the railways and of the rail network, what we were really concerned about given the mild winter that we've had so far is how would the system react when it saw its first big shock? Well, here we are. We've now had it. And so far, uh, based on what we can see in the data, uh, you know, it's not good. The full report for Shipping Week 28, covering February 7th to the 13th, will be released in a few days. And Poirier expects the trend to continue. The network has slowed down significantly uh, over the last 10 days, which coincides very much with the, you know, the settling in of the very cold weather in the West. One of the ways that we see this is idle car counts, or as we call them, cars dwelling under load for more than you know 48 hours or so, went up quite a bit, like very high, the highest levels that we've seen uh, since the slowdown we saw at Christmas and at New Year's. Uh, to give you an example, even this morning, we know that 50% of all loaded cars on the rail system in Canada 
have not moved for two or more days. That is not insignificant. Poirier goes on to say, Both West Coast ports have seen poor performance over the last week. Coming days do not look much better, and that is driven by the fact that all of these cars are dwelling under load. A lot of them are dwelling at origin stations in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and cars are just not getting to the ports to be unloaded. CN, we know, has returned to rationing. Uh, Shippers are telling us that there's rationing in week 28, maybe in week 29, uh, including some orders that were already accepted for service, but that CN has now decided to cancel. Poirier makes this assessment going forward. We're a bit away from uh, recovery in service, probably two to three weeks in an optimistic scenario. But the real concern, I think, at this stage should be that there's another significant shock that uh, hits the system in the near term. Whether that's a major derailment on CN or CP's main line going, you know, to Prince Rupert or to Vancouver or to Eastern Canada, or it's another weather event, you know, we get another period of extreme cold, whether it be in the West or in the East, neither of those things would be good. And because the system is as fragile as it is, that kind of a shock could realistically extend recovery for a very long time. And we might just be looking at poor service right into the spring. Milt Poirier manages the Ag Transport Coalition, which monitors rail performance on behalf of a consortium of agricultural groups that include farmers and grain companies. His comments were made on the Grain by Train podcast. It's produced by Pulse Canada, a member of the Ag Transport Coalition. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Sask Wheat says global wheat prices were on the rise last week due to rising global consumption and lower stocks. Russia had the most significant climb. Canada and the U.S. remain the most expensive origins for wheat purchases in the world, partly due to lower forecast ending stocks and strong exports. Canadian wheat exports last week were rated excellent at 481,000 tonnes, bringing crop year-to-date wheat exports at 10.6 million tonnes. 30% or 2.5 million tons higher than last year. The market newsletter says wheat is selling for $8 a bushel and feed wheat $7.50 to $7.70 per bushel. And new crop wheat should be worth around $7.75. Durham exports last week were 84,000 tons, now 23% ahead of last year's pace. The report says Durham is selling as high as $9.25 a bushel, a good price. The Sask Wheat Report says there's a lot of uncertainties in the market this week, and a U.S. Department of Agriculture Outlook Conference will provide a look at U.S. new crop prospects. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. Today I'm talking to Jolene Brown. Jolene is a family farm succession and business consultant based in Iowa. In these discussions, how do we create transparency about money? And because you know, some of these, the asset numbers we're talking about are huge, right? Well, I never want to talk about money without the business plan because it's fitting into something much larger. 
And we've all heard how much we're asset rich, rich and cash poor. But that doesn't fly when you're doing a family business conversation because they just see the assets. And when I talk about how people in family business lie, one of the three lies is, oh, you don't have to worry about your brothers and sisters. They've got their job. They're not interested in the business. <laughs> now, that's true until you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And so if we can put the financial package in terms of where it fits in the business plan, its role in the business plan from debt management to the skills to invest to off-farm income to uh, providing security for different generations, then we're talking about money in a different way. But I will share with you, I probably the sharpest family I worked with was several years ago, and their children were in middle school. So I think it was seventh or eighth grade. And um, the, that farming operation is a very large operation, but they pay most of their farm bills that they don't pay online, when even those online are checked once a month. But they have those middle school kids sitting at the kitchen table with the checkbook or with the account ledger of the what has been withdrawal of automatic pay. And they have the kids write out who it's to and the amount and fill it in. And then the mom and dad will sign it. So now dad's out filling the cedar this spring and the sun's shouting, don't you spill any seed, dad. You know how much that seed costs. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> so how did he know that? So so money has to start from little on. And, and I have an opinion. As you know, I'm quite opinionated because I've had such good teachers from all of us in agriculture. And that is I don't think that um, kids should be paid an allowance. I think money is paid for work done. And so from little on in our refrigerator, there is always the list. This you do just because you're family. No, we don't pay you to pick up your toys and make your bed and clean your room and stuff. But if you do this, this is worth a dollar. This is worth 50 cents. And we didn't stop there. We said, and with that money you have earned, this part you get to tithe, this part you get to spend, this mm-hmm. part you get to save, and this part you get to do a good surprise for somebody and they'll never know it came from you. Because I also wanted to teach compassion as we went. So where does this money transparency start? I hope it starts at a very young age. And when it hasn't, then all of a sudden we're dealing with the realities, the figures we don't understand what's behind them, including the values of what it took to make that. Uh, I often have people inheriting things and they have no idea of the journey that it took to create that wealth to be inherited. So when we're talking transparency, we're talking a journey of both the the head, which is a lot to do with the money, and the heart that was behind it. And, and I think too, the so in terms of the the paying of the of the the younger generations, it also is, doesn't mean that they start at an executive level salary. It, it is a it is it is money or of um, an amount that is closely connected to the work that's being done. Correct. Oh, man, did you hit a sore spot for so many families, especially if they brought another generation in when the finances were real strong, because the next generation thinks it's always going to be that way, and the person they're married to thinks it's always going to be that way. So what I'd like to do is to have them start at a realistic salary, and since one of my prerequisites before you work in a family business is you have worked elsewhere for two or three consecutive years, you actually know your monetary value. And whether or not the farm can pay that, because we can talk about sweat equity as we go, but the the bottom line is let's start at, at a realistic compensation. And then if you have a good year and there has been exceptional value brought by someone, then we can talk additional bonuses. But we've got to be very realistic when setting that compensation and do not bring a next generation into a financial mess and expect them to fix it. 
You know, I, I sat with a farmer and his accountant was coming in about an hour. And so I was saying to the farmer, let's get out your books. And he said to me, which set of books do you want to see? <laughs> the one he shows the tax man, the one he shows, you know, his advisor uh, or the one that he shows the government or the one that's real. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. Today, mainly sunny sky, winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high, minus 12. The low, minus 25 tonight. Wind chill minus 22 this evening and minus 37 overnight, risk of frostbite. Friday, mainly sunny, wind southeast 30, gusting to 50. The high tomorrow, minus 7. Wind chill minus 32 in the morning and minus 16 in the afternoon, risk of frostbite, the low minus 12. Saturday, sunny, the high plus 1, the low minus 10. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high plus 3, the low plus 1. Monday, Partly cloudy, windy, high plus 6, the low minus 6. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 2, the low minus 14. Wednesday, sunny, and a high forecast of minus 7. Normal high for this date is minus 6, the normal low minus 18. The sun rose at 8.04 this morning. It sets at 6.20 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, Maple Creek at minus 4. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids, minus 25 degrees. Estevan minus 16, Saskatoon minus 21, Swift Current minus 12, Weyburn minus 17, Yorkton minus 19. Regina is sunny and minus 20, that's 4 below Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west southwest at 5, giving a wind chill right now of minus 25 degrees. Humidity 81%, the barometer rising 103.0. Sunny and Moose Jaw minus 12, winds are from the west at 15. Once again, Regina sunny and minus 20, that's 4 below Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Over 70 producers were involved in the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Annual Meeting earlier this month over the Internet. The virtual meeting was held because of the coronavirus. CEO Ryder Lee says there were resolutions discussing a possible name change of the organization and seeking insurance for farm equipment tire damage from shedded wildlife antlers. Well, I was real happy with it, Jim. You know, you just don't know with, you know, all of these things we're kind of doing the first go at virtual and I was happy with the turnout, just unhappy with not being able to see everybody. What uh, type of involvement did you have on the turnout? I think we were in the 70s to 80s, and and, and that's, you know, a pretty good annual meeting uh, from, from what I've been involved with different organizations showing up to their virtual ones. I don't, I don't think that's a bad turnout, and 
We'll see. You know, if it had been the start of COVID, I think it would have been a lot less. But I think a lot more people are kind of getting used to this, I guess. What was some of the major discussions around? Well, a lot of updates on just what there is going on that the checkoff is going to. And then we had we had a few, we just had a few motions, which is nice to see. And one was about, you know, having SAS crop insurance put some deal with help deal with horns, wildlife horns on tires. Uh, we had one about when's the annual meeting or annual report having that available earlier. And then we had a discussion about changing the name of Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Elaborate for me on those couple of resolutions. What actually happened with the uh, crop insurance and with the name change? What happened there? Well, the crop insurance one was referred to the board to to talk about a little bit. So, And that's how all these motions are at an annual meeting. They're kind of uh, advisory to the board. And that, that one around the antlers was passed, and same with the one with the annual meeting. And then the one with the name change was, was defeated. There was quite a bit of discussion, but it was defeated. And so everybody's on kind of this learning trip around diversity and inclusion and some of these conversations are part of it and and SCA is no different. We've been adding training and learning about things and probably stubbing our toe here and there but we, we continue to you know live in 2021 and hopefully learn as we go. I understand the cattleman's name was thought of maybe change it to cattle producers but that ultimately was turned down? Well, the resolution brought forward didn't bring a solution with it. It just said change its name. So, you know, even even if that might have unfolded different with something brought forward, hey, how about we do this? It might have been a different discussion, but uh, the, the resolution brought forward was just change its name to better reflect the gender diversity of its members. And, and, and after, I don't know, there was interaction from from ladies and gentlemen and and the vote was pretty pretty resounding against change and you know that i think is kind of reflective probably of, of a lot of conversations you'd have around the country for good or ill and that'll be some it's not the first time we've thought about it or looked at it and, and it probably won't be the last either but this version of it and it, it was not thought to be something that uh, that should be carried forward by those people that showed up to the meeting. Tell me about the crop insurance. I don't understand it completely. And and horns, what is the claim or what would be the problem there? Well, when the Queen's livestock shed their horns in your field and you drive over them with your, your machinery, there's there's quite a cost there to, you know, some of your, your tractor tires and other things. You know, those those tires aren't aren't a hundred bucks kind of thing and, and so it's that that was kind of the where it came from. But that's you know, probably something that maybe should live with SGI more than than SAS crop insurance or, or your, whoever else your, your insurance provider is on the farm. And that's kind of the, the follow-up discussion that the board had that probably need to look at this over there rather than with, with SAS crop insurance. Ryder Lee is the CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. The annual meeting was held earlier this month. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And by the REMAX Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel de Corby and Graham Toth. Online at landforsalesask.ca.
What started as a funny question a week or so ago about the consistency of butter these days has morphed into a more serious discussion about the use of palm fat to supplement the feed of some dairy cattle in Canada. We reached out to food professor Sylvain Charlebois from Dalhousie University, who was among those who first started publicly talking about butter and how it doesn't seem to soften up no matter how long you leave it at room temperature. I think right now a lot of Canadians are going through the, oh, I thought I was alone <laughs> sentiment. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly one of them because I actually didn't notice that butter is much harder at room temperature than before. And I think that a lot of people thought, well, it's the winter. Maybe there's a problem with it's because it's weather related. It, it's, it's not really because we're starting to get information about that dairy farmers have had since at least October of 2020. And so by actually giving the voice to consumers, and this is kind of what we're trying to do here, giving voice to consumers, it could allow dairy farmers to try to fix the problem because the first people who would want to fix the problem is probably the dairy farmers of Canada themselves. Following our chat with Charlebois, we spoke with Daniel Lefebvre of Lactinet, which is the Canadian network for dairy excellence. He's also a specialist in cow nutrition and milk composition. Lefebvre says supplementing fat in dairy rations has been around for decades, mostly as an energy supplement, and he says it's a fairly widespread practice. A recent survey that we did in, in eastern Canada, there was about 22% of producers that were using palm oil-based supplements. I understand we don't have any hard data, but we understand that it might be slightly higher in western Canada. Dairy cows are producing a lot of milk, and just like high-level athletes, they require a lot of energy to sustain the energy that is required to produce this milk. So fat supplements are a way to increase the energy density of the cow's ration. More specifically for palm oil and the palm oil fat supplements, they are high in a specific type of fatty acid called palmitic acid that is preferentially taken up by the mammary gland to be incorporated in milk fat. So it helps not only meet the cow's energy requirement, but also uh, increase the butterfat output of the cow. Last week we were seeing a thing where a lot of people were talking about the consistency of butter these days and how it seems to not really soften up at room temperature anymore like it used to. And there were some allegations that the palm oil supplements may be having an impact on that. Do you agree with that or what sort of things have you guys found? We don't have any evidence, hard evidence, that there's a change in butter consistency. But what I can tell you is that we know that of palmitic acid, the same type of fatty acid that is present in palm oil, is already the predominant type of fatty acid in milk fat. Even without any palm oil product in the cow's ration, about a third of the fatty acids in milk fat are palmitic acid. So it's already very present in milk fat. And the inclusion of palm oil-based supplement only marginally increases that proportion in milk. So just for an example, if a cow is already producing milk with, so typically it's about a third of the, the milk fat, as I said. So let's, let's say that cow is at 30%. You introduce a palm oil-based supplement. It might go up to 31 or 32%. And, and that's usually in response to where there's another situation, dietary or environmental or otherwise, that is not allowing the cow to produce the maximum amount of milk fat that she can normally. So it's, it's sort of fixing a problem. So if you look at that 
as an industry, given that there's only a portion of the herds that are feeding palm oil supplements, and they would typically only do that for part of the herd, the, the early the cows that are in early lactation, and that it's marginally increased, I would be very surprised that it would have a, a large impact on butter consistency. That's Daniel Lefebvre with Lactinet, the Canadian Network for Dairy Excellence. Also speaking, University of Saskatchewan Professor David Christensen, who's with the Department of Animal and Poultry Science. He says he's somewhat retired now, but has done studies through the Dairy Research and Extension Consortium of Alberta. He was asked if palmitic acid has an effect on whether or not butter is softer or harder. Well, yes. The melting point of palmitic acid is 65 degrees uh, Celsius. And so if it's in the butter uh, or the cheese, for that matter, it will likely produce a harder product. But what's missing from the Canadian and most of the world literature is the relationship between butter hardness and palmitic acid content. You know, it's well known that palmitic acid has a higher melting point, but the only thing I found was... (laughs) in a uh, Dutch magazine, which was printed in Dutch. (laughs) And uh, one of our faculty members is originally from Holland and translated it and said that the uh, Dutch were setting a limit of 32% palmitic acid in milk fat because if it was higher than that, it resulted in a harder harder butter. Or uh, I think they were focusing more on cheese than on butter. But it all kind of relates to the same thing. Yes, that's right. But there's a need for more Canadian work on the, effect of the relationship between palmitic acid in butter and cheese and hardness because the literature now is all on how much of the palmitic is transferred to milk. And it's somewhere around 35% of what the cow eats goes directly into the milk. David Christensen is a retired professor from the University of Saskatchewan. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Viterra prices were showing upward movement in early trading today. Canola gained 810 at 664.27. Number one red spring wheat rose 280 at 275.81. The rest were unchanged. Durham 310.48. Feed barley 247.68. Flax 801.08. Lentils 602.50. Oats 229.53. Yellow peas 384.89. Feed wheat, 238.84. The Minneapolis spring wheat March futures are up eight and a quarter cents at 631 and a quarter cent a bushel. Right. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Mark Report for the week of February 18th. Well, starting off by saying our sheep, lamb, goat sale scheduled for this Friday has been cancelled for this month. Well, yesterday we had a huge run here with 22.25 in the short, 250 cows and bulls, a total of 24.75 for the day. This pre-short selling higher with great demand for these feeder cattle. This cow and bull market also picked up yesterday. It was a good sale day from start to finish. Listen up, D1, D2 cows, 77 to 82 Sales to 86.87 on these high-yielding kind of cows. D3 cows, 66 to 76. The cows are averaging 81 cents. 
good bulls, 97 to 105, sales to 111, 112. We had a blue roan bull, 2,300 pounds. He topped out at 113.75. The bulls are averaging 101. On to the pre-sort sale, very good sale here. Some highlights on the steer side. 425 pound black steers, 274. 500 pounders, 262. 570 pound steers, 241. 650 pound steers, 220. My favorite pen, 710 pound black steers, 205. 780s, 187. 860 pound red black exotic steers at 180. 950 pound steers, 174. On to the heifer side. 500 pound heifers, 212. 580s, 203. 650-pound heifers, 195. 710-pound heifers, 178. 780-pound heifers at 171. Our next bred cow sale is Friday, February 26th. A complete herd dispersal of 60 black cows coming in. 150 cows listed so far for this sale. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, 176.22 per CKG, both Brandon Mooshoff plants. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. Canada's annual inflation rate came in slightly higher than expected last month as it rose to 1%. The year-over-year increase in the consumer price index was up from 0.7% in December. It was also higher than the 0.9% analysts on average had predicted. Stats Canada says the acceleration was largely due to higher prices for durable goods and a 6.1% increase in gas prices from December. It says when gasoline is excluded, the annual inflation rate last month was 1.3%. Wholesale prices in the U.S. surged 1.3% in January, the largest one-month gain on records that go back to 2009. It followed much milder inflation readings of 0.3% in December and 0.1% in November. The U.S. Labor Department says the bigger-than-expected increase in its producer price index reflected higher costs for energy and services. It says wholesale prices over the past 12 months increased by 1.7%. On the markets, the industrial sector led a broad-based decline on the Toronto stock market, with Canada's main stock index down in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets also fell. The TSX Composite Index was down 66 points at 18,308. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 200 points at 31,412. The Canadian dollar traded at 78.71 cents U.S. compared with 78.67 cents Wednesday. The April crude oil contract was down 11 cents at $61.05 per barrel. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.